and welcome to another episode of A Little Spooky. This is a show where we talk about things that spook us just a little bit, like cryptids, aliens, UFOs, conspiracy theories, or waking up to Great British Bake Off's Mary Berry staring you directly in the eye saying, Absolutely scrummy! My name is Colleen. My name is Everett. You know what would be even more spooky? Hmm. If she said that you had a soggy bottom. That's horrifying. I think, you know what I should change it to? The feeling every Great British Bake Off contestant has when Mary Berry tests their bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> I have a case of soggy bottom right now, I think. Um, I'm feeling rowdy today. Okay, let's, what does that mean? Let's fight. I'm in. What are we fighting about? Rock, paper, scissors. Go. One, Rock, paper, two, scissors. three, go. I win. Damn it. I lose every fucking time. Let's fight about that. Why do you always win? <laughs> <laughs> well, today, Colleen. Today? We're going to talk about a subject I don't think we've ever talked about before. Okay. And this is something that I feel like in centuries past was a common spooky story to tell your children not really for like any purpose other than that they happened. Okay. Ghost ships. Ah, now I don't know if that was like a children's story. No, I know. That's, what, have... that's what I meant. Like it, it's not like a cautionary tale or anything, but like it's something that happened. So it was not often. It was more of like there were a lot more people sailing the seas. Right. And they just go missing. We've talked about some ships that, yeah, no, I wouldn't call them ghost ships, but weird shit happened on them. And when I say ghost ship, I mean, th there's two there's two things that people think of. One mm -hmm. is right and one is incorrect. <laughs> okay. So I, I think what a lot of people think of is like a haunted ship. And that's not what we're talking about. A ghost ship is literally just a ship that's on the seas without a crew. So it's the, just a ship that runs itself. Is no, the ship no, alive? No, no. We're talking about a disappearance of a crew. Oh, that's see, I'm thinking of like a ghostly ship. I mean, that's what I was getting at. There's two. There's two trains of so thought, I and was you're really, wrong. Okay, got it. Got it. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Specifically, we're going to be talking about the Mary Celeste, and I think this probably is the most famous. I would say most I have famous heard occurrence of it. I have. I don't know the story behind it, but that name sounds very familiar. So what I want to do is we're going to go through the the story of what we know, mm -hmm. and then there's a ton of theories about what happened, and we're okay. going to go through all of them. There's probably some that I might be missing, too, but these are the most cited, maybe most believed in some of them, some circumstances. We'll find out. So on November 7th of 1872, Captain Benjamin Briggs and the crew of the Mary Celeste left New York Harbor for Genoa, Italy. This was a merchant ship that was carrying cargo, and in this case, it was entirely denatured alcohol. Which is? This is a fuel, basically. It's like, you you could theoretically drink it and get drunk, but you would probably die. <laughs> okay, so it would be like drinking rubbing alcohol. Yes, it's, okay. it's added, like... It's basically like ethanol, from my understanding, okay. but like the older version. But flammable? Very much so. Dangerous. So he brought seven handpicked crew along with his wife and daughter. I think the reason that he brought his wife and daughter is because they were going to spend some time in Italy. 
Okay, but I thought it was common knowledge that a woman on a ship is bad luck. I say as a woman who's (laughs) been on a ship before. I've never heard that. Really? I'm sorry. You're just sexist. You need to go back and research your pirate history. Anyway, carry on. Yar. So, (laughs) after leaving New York, the Mary Celeste battled its way through treacherous seas and howling winds for two weeks. On November 25th, the captain entered what would be the last entry in the ship's log. And at the time, nothing was amiss. But when Captain David Morehouse of the Dei Gratia found the Mary Celeste on December 5th, there was not a person in sight. I'm sorry, what day was the last message? The last uh, entry in the log was November 25th. So this was... This was like a solid, what, 11 days later? Yeah, almost two weeks later. Okay. After they were not able to make contact with the ship after sending signals to it, they boarded the ship. The sails were half set and in working order, but they were in very poor condition. Riggings on the ship were damaged, and many of the ropes on the side of the deck hung loosely over the sides of the boat with nothing attached. Uh, I'm, I take that to mean like a lifeboat that would have been on there yeah, is now gone? Yeah, we'll talk about it. There was one lifeboat, and that was one of the few things missing. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know too much about nautical <laughs> naughtiness, but I imagine ropes on the side, you know, are there for keeping things, you know, on deck. Sure. Like tied to the deck or possibly even working with the sails, you know. If we have any pirates from the 19th century or beyond, let us know. <laughs> let us know about your ship stuff. Some, Podcast at nerdsloft.com. Some, some ghosts listening? Yeah. No, any ghosts? I, I'm sure they're just keeping things. The, the, the purpose for the ropes is to keep things secure, but a lot of them were hanging loosely over the sides of the deck. Sure. So, like I said, the single lifeboat was missing, and when they went into the cabin, most of the crew's belongings were scattered and disheveled, but nothing seemed to be missing. Notably, the ship's compass had shifted from its place, and the glass casing of the compass was broken. They found three and a half feet of water in the bilge, which is the lowest point of the ship that sits below the waterline. This isn't necessarily worrisome. Mm-hmm. Usually there is a little bit of water in the bottom because these are wooden boats and they're not completely sealed watertight. There are pumps in the ship for that reason Mm -hmm. to get the water out. But if there's only three and a half feet in there, it's not enough to like sink your ship. Right. Exactly. The cargo was intact, but some of the barrels of the denatured alcohol were empty. They found the ship log and in the log, the captain made regular entries. If I remember correctly, I think it was every couple hours or every four hours or so. So even during the night, someone would be making an entry into this log. So it was very on the dot, like they're making sure they're documenting everything. Got it. According to the last entry, which was entered at 8 a.m. on November 25th, they were last documented to be nearly 400 miles away from where the ship was found. Oh, now, okay, to, just to rewind like half a second, mm-hmm. what is the point of a ship's log? Like, why document things every four hours? Once you get to your destination, who's going to be reading that? I think there's a lot of reasons for it. So, obviously, in this case, it would be, you know, if this crew went missing, what happened? Maybe get some clues. But I Does think that, that happen often? 
not too often, but I think the more important reason, especially for a merchant ship, is they want to make sure if anything goes missing, there's an accurate reading of, you know, what may have happened. Okay. That Unless makes sense. the captain is in on it for some reason. Sure, but, sure. Got it. Okay. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. It just popped into my head. So, like I said, they traveled, or the ship traveled 400 miles. So, over the course of nine days, it traveled this distance, which is very far. It would, of course, drift quite a ways, but 400, 400? miles is very excessive to go without a crew. I wonder how many miles it was going per day fully manned. How far does a ship normally go? Like, is 400 miles way out of the way, or is it just kind of slightly out of I'm I'm not sure. I, I will say, though, since the sails were half set, it's not like the sails were put away completely, so it probably would have caught a breeze of some kind and traveled with the wind. Mm-hmm. But 400 miles is very far. That's a lot of miles. So the ghost ship was still seaworthy, so the crew of the Dei Gratia split up, and together the two ships sailed to Gibraltar, where they could claim salvage rights under maritime law. So this was fairly common. If someone were to find a ship, whether it's intact or not, especially since there's still cargo on board, you can claim a percentage of total value of the ship and its cargo because you brought it back instead of leaving it at sea. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like um, a reward for not like littering the seas with a right. Well, and, <laughs> and someone was waiting for this cargo too. Sure, but they, I assume, didn't take it to its actual destination. They took it to Gibraltar, where somebody would send a message to the person in Genoa. Correct, yes. If they were able to find out where the cargo was headed. Yeah, and all all of that is very, very documented. Right, got it. So the two ships arrived in Gibraltar on December 12th, and the Mary Celeste was immediately impounded in order for a salvage hearing to take place. So a thorough investigation of the ship was performed by the surveyor of shipping, followed by a secondary investigation by a group of Royal Naval captains. So this is what they found. There's no Americans involved. No, this is in Europe now. Right. So now the ship, whoever owned the ship, they don't give a shit anymore. It no longer belongs. Like, what if it belonged to somebody else in New York? Yeah, I, it definitely did belong to someone. I, I don't know maritime law very well. Yeah, so I like don't, I don't know. keepers or I, what? Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe even Captain Briggs owned it, and he was also the captain of it. I'm not sure. But either way. It just seems like there's a whole process for all of this salvaging, but like nobody has mentioned who may have originally owned the ship and if he might want it back. We'll get into happen what uh, what happened to the ship after these events, too, mm-hmm. um, because that's a little more clear, at least to me. Sure. Um, but I wasn't quite sure where it should have been other than making this trip. Okay. So this investigation happened, and this is what they found. They found deep cuts on the side of the bow that were caused by a very sharp instrument, and they believed these cuts to be deliberately performed by someone on board. The captain's sword was found with possible traces of blood. One of the ship's rails was also stained with what they believed to be blood. The report given after the investigation made it clear that they did not believe violent weather was the cause, and the reason cited was because there was a vial of sewing machine oil that was sitting upright, and if there was major turbulence, it would have surely fallen and spilled. Yeah, it went like nine or I'm sorry, how many days without a crew nine, that we know of? Most likely nine days since the last log was nine days ago. Now, I'm surprised that wouldn't have fallen over 
just in general, like when the crew was gone, like doesn't that wouldn't necessarily be an indicator to me of violence or turbulence of any kind, because we're talking about things on a boat. Things fall. Yeah, but I mean, I the seas aren't always crazy waves. Like usually it's just full on straight ahead. Sure. Like. I guess what I'm saying is during the nine days, we assume it was unmanned. Mm hmm. It just, there's nobody ensuring the ship is on like a straight path. I'm surprised that it, everything was upright or that a small vial would be upright. So due to the cuts in the ship and the possible blood that was found, foul play was suspected at first. Attorney General Flood, that's his real name. Mm. Attorney General Flood of Gibraltar suspected that Captain Morehouse of the Dei Gratia was not telling the whole truth. Ah, he could pirates. not believe that the Mary Celeste traveled 400 miles in nine days without a crew, and due to this, thought that the ship log had to have been altered. Okay. I can see it. Flood's personal conclusion was that the crew had drank some of the alcohol, and in their drunken haze, killed the captain and his family. And if they did this... They dumped the bodies overboard and then made cuts in the bow to try and fake evidence of a collision and then took the lifeboat and left the Mary Celeste. Now, there's quite a few things wrong with yeah, that. Theory. I can point out a couple. Most obvious is the alcohol. Uh -huh. No one's drinking that because they would most likely die or at, at the very least get very sick. Sure. Um, well, and I imagine if you are drinking alcohol of that nature... And you are not dead or very sick. You are not in a state of mind to elaborately plan how to escape a murder scene. And this crew, excluding the mother and the daughter sure. of the captain, or not the mother and father, the wife and the daughter. Sure. Um, it, everyone else was seasoned. They, they were experienced and they knew what they were doing. Sure. So they would not leave the Mary Celeste on a lifeboat in the middle of the sea. Yeah, that would be stupid. There's no way they could survive. Right. And if you were at, if it, alcohol was the cause, there's no way they'd be, <laughs> be able to make it into the life. Of, I guess if, I'm thinking if I were to drink, let's just say Everclear, mm -hmm. I'm not like walking in a straight line, let alone lowering myself into a lifeboat and then sailing the seas. Right. Yeah. No, that the, that whole theory from Flood is very flawed. I think the only reason that he came up with this is because he just did not trust Captain Morehouse at all. Sure. But even so, throughout the next few weeks, the salvage hearing continued. So the court determined that Flood's theory was extremely stupid. Okay. And unfounded. All right. Well, good on them. Tests were performed and concluded that the substance on the sword and the rail of the ship were not blood. Oh. The court awarded Captain Morehouse 1,700 pounds, which was roughly a fifth of the value of the ship and its cargo. Okay. This amount is extremely low compared to what would be the norm of the time. Oh, really? For, for a percentage Oh, cut. because they didn't trust Morehouse. They, they didn't trust okay. him. So this was kind of a last slap in the face. Sure. So they still had their suspicions and think he was either not telling the full truth or he was hiding something, mm -hmm. but they couldn't prove it. So sure. they still had to award him something. So they gave him that money. Mm -hmm. This is just kind of a last conclusion about what happens to the ship uh, before we get into theories. 
So the Mary Celeste came upon new ownership and went through several more captains. Only 13 years after the incident, uh, in 1885, the new captain, Gilman Parker, deliberately wrecked the ship off the coast of Haiti in an attempt for an insurance payout. Mm. He was found out and was arrested for insurance fraud. He did not, however, serve time after a very complicated and lengthy legal process, but his professional reputation was destroyed. As it should be. And three months after the dismissal, he died in poverty. I mean, that's a little harsh, but okay. I just wanted to include that because I thought it was interesting, but also maybe some people think this ship is cursed. But, I mean, that's the only incident involving the Mary Celeste after the disappearance of this crew. Sure. So let's talk about some theories. That that whole story, I, I definitely kind of summarized it. I, I didn't include a lot of the details because it's very, very nautical. Okay, so but before before you get into the theories, I just mm-hmm. want to make sure I've got it right. Yeah. It's been approximately nine days that they assume the ship has been unmanned. Right. It's 400 miles off course. Well, not not necessarily off course, just 400 miles away from where the last log occurred. Okay, so it's traveled approximately 400 miles without a crew. They found slash marks on the bow, mm-hmm. a couple empty barrels of this pretty much non-drinkable alcohol. Mm-hmm. Let's just call it fuel. Fuel, it's fuel. Of this fuel. And then what they thought was blood but turned out to not be blood. Do you know what it was? Um, No. I mean, I, I read it, but it was something completely, like, normal. Like, that would be on a ship anyway. I, I don't think it was the same substance that was found on the rail and the sword. I'm pretty sure the rail was rust. Okay. And I'm not sure what was on the sword. It was very minuscule, though. It was, like, a couple dots of some sort of stain. Okay. So that's why they thought it might be blood, but it was just debris of some kind. And the reason they claimed that it was foul play and not weather was because... There was a bottle of oil standing upright on a table Mm -hmm. and the lifeboat was gone. The lifeboat was gone. And actually, one thing I did forget to mention, too, um, they did have a pump in the uh, the bilge, um, but it was disassembled completely. Oh, so it seems like like they were trying to sink it. No, they were. Maybe there was an issue with the pump and they had to disassemble it to try and get it working again. Oh, that's not as fun. So, and that was a very important point in some of the theories we're going to go over, uh, but I wanted to make sure we talked about it quick. Okay. I'm just trying to put together my mm-hmm. theory. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, if I'm trying to come up with something logical, mm-hmm. I'm thinking like bad weather of some kind. Um, well, let's talk about that first. So that was actually the first one on my list here. So bad weather, that's I think one of the more obvious theories. So the possibility that Mary Celeste fell foul to a water spout, which is basically a tornado on the sea, or perhaps a sudden violent sea quake, uh, that's very plausible, but Mm -hmm. not probable, right? I feel like there'd be more damage to the ship. Right. So either of these events would have definitely caused uh, superficial damage and waterlogging, perhaps making the crew think that the ship was about to sink. So if this did happen... It would explain why they disassembled the pump and were trying to get it working after there was about three and a half feet of water in the bottom of the ship. Mm-hmm. The, the idea behind this is maybe it happened so quickly that they thought they were screwed and they're like, we have to abandon, abandon ship. ship. But it wasn't the case. 
So if that theory is correct, at some point they would have tried to make efforts to get the water out, but they decided it wouldn't have been worth the effort. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that would have made the crew get into that lifeboat, as I said, but they were still roughly, I think it was like either 900 or 1200 miles away from the shore. Right. So they would have been screwed and they would have most likely fallen sunk. So that's why I find that weather theory Mm -hmm. to be not very believable because I feel like they would have put in more effort to try and make sure the ship didn't sink if that were happening. Yeah. And I just feel like there'd be more outward signs of bad weather. I mean, if you believe your ship is sinking, I imagine that there would be other signs of damage. And they would have made note of bad weather in the log too. Right. Most certainly, especially if they decided we need to abandon ship, they would have either the captain or the first mate would have made a note in the log and said, we're abandoning ship. Well, and you also noted that they spent a solid two weeks uh, sailing in really shitty weather. So it's not like this was out of nowhere. The, I mean, it wasn't the whole two weeks. There was some, but like. But it's not like they're un- unseasoned and were ill prepared for it because right. they clearly had gotten through several days of bad weather. Well, and this was this definitely incident. not their first voyage either. Right. So they, they would have, n- I, I personally don't think they would have abandoned ship. Sure. At that point, it, it, they may have if the weather was bad and the ship was in worse condition, but I don't think so. Next theory. Okay. Pirates. I like that theory. It's not paranormal, but it is spooky. So this time period was definitely no stranger to pirates. Uh, North African ships would regularly board and loot ships, sometimes even killing the crew in the process. Okay. However, there was no sign of a struggle on the Mary Celeste, and nothing seemed to be out of place or stolen other than things just being kind of disheveled. I was going to say, you did mention that things were messy. Yeah, and the only thing that was broken was the casing of the compass. But other than that, everything was in its place, maybe a little bit off because it, you know... Sure. Disheveled and scattered about a little bit. Which is why it's weird that bottle was standing up. There do there are some people that say even though there weren't signs of a struggle, that's not necessarily a reason to rule out pirates mm-hmm. uh, because they could have tried to, you know, kidnap them and keep them hostage, try and get ransom somewhere. Sure. So that is possible. But if pirates did board the ship, they would have surely checked the cargo hold and found all of this alcohol, which would have fetched much more money than getting ransom for a few random members of a crew. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the, I don't know if this would be workable, but like, wouldn't they, if you were going to kidnap all of them, why would you leave the ship? Wouldn't you want to kind of put some of your crew on that ship and like steal the ship? Yeah. And if they wanted to steal the ship, they probably would have killed uh, most of the crew, if not all of the crew anyway. Well, and even if you didn't kill them, if you're kidnapping them, I'm assuming you're either putting them on a different vessel or you're going to keep them in their own vessel and steal the vessel with all the stuff on well, it. So it doesn't make sense. Or to me. even if they didn't want to steal the vessel, why didn't they take the very expensive cargo on board, too? Right. And isn't that the point of piracy? Steal the cargo of the right. ship that you're so, boarding? So, I mean, pirates are still possible. I think it's very unlikely in this case. Sure. But what about other criminal behavior? I mean, the people who found the ship. Right. So what about the crew of the De Gratia, the ship that actually discovered the empty Mary Celeste? Perhaps they, in reality, attacked the Mary Celeste and then pretended to have found her adrift so that they could gain money from the salvage. Yeah. Or maybe 
it was an inside job with Captain Briggs and his family faking their deaths to claim the salvage money through the crew of the De Gratia working as a co-conspirator. That seems complex, but... but it did happen, I, w- I don't want to say regularly, but it did happen. Sure, but I guess is there proof that the crew of the De Gratia knew the crew of the Mary Celeste, or um, any of them, or is this like sailors are a small world? So I, I did look into that. So Captain Morehouse and Captain Briggs, the mm-hmm. two captains of these ships, there's no actual proof that they knew each other, but it's very unlikely they didn't know each other. They didn't know of each other, at least. Is what you're they, they, yeah, they at the very least knew of each other. They never worked on the same crew or the same ship, but they worked very similar routes. Uh, they were both merchant ships. So they would have likely, you know, been in the same port towns. So it would be very unlikely that they didn't know of each other and they could have possibly even been acquaintances. Okay. The The problem, though, with both of these theories, whether it be an inside job or just the one ship attacking the other one, is that both of these captains, even though they would benefit from getting a large chunk of money from salvage, mm-hmm. I don't think the effort in trying to get through a legal battle would be worth it because if they were found to actually be conspiring and committing insurance fraud, mm-hmm. there is a very harsh punishment. It can either be prison time or I think in some areas of the world at the time, the gallows, the death penalty. Sure. They were also making fairly decent income from these ships that they were actually working on. Right. So I think it would have been extremely high risk and very low reward. Okay. So I don't think, even though it is still possible, I don't think this is the case. Now, inside jobs, though, gets me thinking. Mm -hmm. Was there any reason that the captain and his wife and daughter would want to disappear? Like, is it unusual that he took his wife and daughter on this trip? I, I don't think it's unusual, but I don't think it happened often. I'm so just like, I, th- I think the reason, at least the cited reason, was that he and his family did want to spend some time in Europe. Sure. And so, that's like a very plausible reason. It's, But, you know, you do make the point maybe they did want to disappear. So that's why he brought his family with him. Right. It's possible I don't but then know. what happened to the crew? Was crew in on it? Did they right. kill the crew? Could you really, like, one man, his wife and his daughter, kill seven crewmen? I don't know. What about an explosion? The boat was not No, the boat, the, the boat was not exploded. But, in my opinion, one of the more convincing theories relates to the ship's cargo and the alcohol. Okay. So whether it was due to turbulence or just cheap barrels, there was some of the noxious fumes that escaped from the barrels. Okay. Either causing a small explosion or making the crew think that an explosion was imminent. So if that were the case, Briggs may have thought that they needed to abandon ship and gave the order to do so with everyone piling onto the lifeboat to sail behind the Mary Celeste until the danger had passed. If they did that, it's possible that the rope that was attached to the boat and to the lifeboat may have come untangled or cut in some manner. Sure. And that would have left them stranded. Right. Which would explain why the some of the barrels were empty. It would explain why the lifeboat is gone. But it doesn't explain the disassembled pump on board. 
But that could have happened at any time. They could have had trouble during one of the earlier storms and disassembled the pump. And then, like, it's you know, a, been in the process of reassembling it during better weather. That That's definitely possible, but I feel like since that is such an important piece of equipment, if they had disassembled it to try and fix it, if they had gotten it fixed, they would have reassembled it, even if they didn't need it, just in case they did need it later. Mm-hmm. Or if it was broken, they would still reassemble it so they could, you know, bring it in to either get fixed or sell it. Sure. When they did eventually get to shore. But like I said, I think this is more convincing, at least to me, because it would explain, you know, the the cargo makes sense because that's what they had. Some of the barrels were empty. The lifeboat was missing. Mm -hmm. This is so reminiscent of the Orang Madan episode we did. Potentially explodable materials on board, though they found the entire dead crew. Right. But anyways, I that one it makes sense. It's it's a plausible. I think it's more believable, but it still doesn't make a hundred percent sense. No, but I don't think anything is going to make a hundred percent sense unless you were on board. Because I think it's easy to say why would they do this or why would they do that or why wouldn't this be reassembled? But there's probably an extremely mundane reason that it might just. A captain of another ship would be like, well, I would never leave it like that. But there may be some reason that on this ship it was like that. Do you know what I mean? Does that? Yeah, I do. Well, those were some of the more, um, you know, plausible theories. But let's get a little more freaky with it. Aliens? Yeah. Yes! This is actually a fairly common... I I, I I hate saying that. It's, It's not common... But it's I, I've I've seen it pop up a lot online when I was doing research for this. Okay. So I mean, I, obviously it was aliens. It's it, like got the hallmark of alienhood. Does it? Yeah. Vanished. <laughs> okay. So a lot of people still have this sneaking suspicion that aliens suddenly turned up and whisked away the crew. Mm-hmm. This is likely due to the idea that people have that the Mary Celeste was in an eerily pristine condition with the last log entry written shortly before it was discovered. This is only partially true. So we discussed that the ship was still seaworthy, but it was not in pristine condition. The only missing object of the ship was the lifeboat, but the rest of the items were scattered about. They were still roughly in their place, but they were scattered about the ship. It is unclear if the disheveled state of the ship was due to the crew or due to conditions after the crew disappeared from the ship. So the last captain's log was made several days before it was found, not shortly before. Mm -hmm. So the log did not indicate any sense of imminent danger, nor anything that could be interpreted as alien activity. Basically, what I'm saying is it's not aliens. Okay, no, rewind. I'm focusing on this stupid detail just to prove that it's aliens, even Mm. though I realize it's dumb. But the bottle. Why is it that the bottle would be standing up Mm -hmm. and everything else would be disheveled if if you're going to have it all become disheveled after the crew had left? Do you know what I mean? Why would that one piece be? What if? What if? There wasn't any weird activity. They don't, people in the 1870s aren't thinking about aliens. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, during a dark and stormy weather, the aliens 
board the ship. And the crew is like, holy shit. And they're flailing around, making everything messy. And, you know, they like miss that one bottle. And it's still standing up. And then the aliens are like, and they get beamed up and they're gone forever. So it's it's interesting that you keep bringing up this bottle because I, I did leave this out because I didn't think it was very important. But during the salvage hearing that happened with the boat, mm-hmm. Flood, that guy, mm-hmm. another reason that he was so suspicious of the crew of the Dei Gratia mm-hmm. was because he thought that since a lot of these other items were disheveled, scattered about, he thinks that this vial was secured somewhere, but then after the ship was rediscovered, someone placed that vial there. Right. To, you know, for whatever reason, whether it was an accident, like they picked it up off the floor or mm-hmm. something or, you know, just set it there. He he thinks that there was foul play involved and they were trying to, like, cover something sure. up or like prove something else. Well, here's the problem with every theory is you have to trust Morehouse. You kind of have to trust what he says. If you don't trust what he says, then they might as well have boarded the ship, murdered everyone, and then brought it back to claim a fifth of the profits or whatever. I mean, they could have done any, they could make up any possible story they wanted, and the only proof that the jury Mm -hmm. had was what they could see after Morehouse and his crew have already tampered with everything. That's definitely very true. I, I will say, though, if they had murdered the crew of the Mary Celeste, there was definitely no blood found anywhere on this boat. Toss they, them overboard. Right. They could have tossed him overboard, but that would have been the only way to kind of get rid of the bodies without making, you know, a murder scene somewhere on the boat. If you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't choose ocean burial as your method of murder, you're... <laughs> what are you doing? I, I, I will say, though, that Captain Morehouse definitely was like clean record, upstanding citizen, and very experienced captain. Well, then if that's the case, you have to take everything that he says at his word. And I, I, as far as I know, with my limited research on this subject, I mean, more than most people, because no one's really looking into this, (laughs) I I don't think he had any reason to lie. I I don't think he was trying, he didn't plan on getting salvage, but since the opportunity arose... Right. He did it, and he didn't want to leave the ship out of the sea anyway. Yeah, take advantage of the situation. I I mean, unless he truly murdered everyone for monetary gain. It, again, it wouldn't make sense to salvage the ship then, because it has all of that. St- why not sell that fuel elsewhere for more money than the $1,700 you would have gotten by yeah. salvaging it? Yeah, that's true. So I, I guess I don't know necessarily what his motives would be. Since he brought it back. So you have to take what he says basically at face value. And that's what the court determined, too. They, they had to do that because there was no reason to or no, no proof of foul play at all. Right. So aliens, then. I have one last theory. <laughs> OK. OK. This one's a little a little more technical. OK. So in 2002, there was a documentarian named Anne McGregor, and she conducted her own investigation Uh, Obviously, in 2002, there are many more modern methods to be used, more technology that could be used to kind of reconstruct the scene Mm -hmm. or the the circumstances, I should say. So she reconstructed the drift of the ship and deduced that the captain had a faulty chronometer 
and was hopelessly off course. Mm. So she determined, in her opinion, that the Mary Celeste was 120 miles west of where it should have been at the time of the last log. Because of this, the captain expected to sight land three days earlier than he did. So he changed the course towards Santa Maria Island in the uh, Azores. Is that how you say it? Sure. (laughs) Sure. And was probably looking for shelter from relentless weather. But even all of this wouldn't make a captain abandon ship. McGregor also learned that the ship had been recently refitted and that the coal dust and debris from the refitting had likely clogged the pumps on the ship that wouldn't have made it seaworthy. Okay. So with the pumps not working and there being no way to pump out any water, that might naturally make its way into the ship's bilge and Captain Briggs would have decided that with the ship off course, yet at least on some kind of or near some kind of land, the crew ought to cut themselves loose and simply try to save themselves by abandoning ship and heading for land. Yeah. So. I don't like it. it, There's, there's testing involved, but there's no way to prove any of this. No, I'm not Um, without the actual ship and being able to test the bilge pump. Right. And there, there is definitely more science and, you know, actual data behind her theory. I don't think a lot of people believe this one. They, they don't think, even if he did have a faulty chronometer, I don't, th- or a lot of people think that there's no way he would have not known that he was that far off course. Well, and I imagine he's not going on some random course he just decided haphazardly. I imagine people back in New York knew what his course was. I imagine this was a well-traveled direction. Yeah, and actually direction. The, the, the Dei Gratia... It was following almost the exact same course, which is why they found the uh, Mary Celeste. I mean, I'm not a sailor by any means. Really? But I imagine, as you said earlier, this was a seasoned crew. Mm -hmm. This cannot be the first time he's made this exact trip. No, definitely not. I just, it seems implausible to me that he would be that far off course and not even slightly be aware of it. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, there's a lot of science that goes into, like science and math that goes into determining your location at sea. And if he's done it before, which I gotta believe that he did, there's no way he could have been that far off course unknowingly. Yeah, I I think what I believe is, is that they thought the ship was about to explode. So they put themselves in the lifeboat, but still attached to the Mary Celeste by a rope. So they could always get back to the boat by, you know, just bringing in the rope. Or if it did blow up, they can just cut the rope. I think that this rope, you know, with 10 people or actually nine people, the seven crew, the wife and daughter. Mm -hmm. So nine people were in this lifeboat. It was probably too close for comfort. Someone made a mistake or maybe there was too much weight and the rope snapped or broke. And they just drifted off to sea, never to be seen again. Mm -hmm. That's what I think happened. I mean, that makes sense. Now, do we know anything about the other six crew members? Were any of them new? Did they all know each other? I don't think they all knew each other, but they were all experienced crew members. So, like, I mean, they were all hired specifically for this trip, though. I think some of them had worked with Captain Briggs previously. But okay. he he brought together a new crew for this uh, voyage. Sure. 
Sure. So, so imagine one of them was actually a reptilian. <laughs> and halfway through the voyage, he sends up his beacon call to his brethren. And it was an inside job, but also an outside job, an outer space job. <laughs> so I think I think it goes without saying that this crew was never found again. And we still don't know. That is bizarre. We don't know the re- actual reason for the crew disappearing. All we can do is theorize like we just did. You didn't even bring up the possibility of ghosts. I didn't even bring up the possibility of the Kraken, too. What? Um, that didn't even occur to me, and that should have been the first thing that occurred to me. <laughs> well, I, I did see some people talking about that, too, online. Um, the evidence they brought up, though, is highly debated. Well, we're talking about the Kraken. No, no, no I'm not, <laughs> even throughout the Kraken. I'm, I'm okay. saying the evidence that they're focusing on for their theory sure. is highly debated. Okay. So they said that there were some of the... Uh, are just windows in the side of a ship called portholes? I think so. So they claim that some of the portholes were broken, but I don't think that's actually documented anywhere. Um, the reason that they bring that up, though, is because, you know... The tentacles obviously have right. to go through the portholes. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Let's just go on, on that for a little bit. So if that was a Kraken that attached itself to the ship, they would have likely jumped overboard. Or maybe even try to get into the lifeboat and left. Yeah. Now, if I was a superstitious sea dog, I would make sure to have several axes on my ship in case of a kraken attack. A crack attack, if you will. Um, And a crack. Because just chop those bad boys off and get going. If it clearly has to have tentacles in your ship. There's only seven of the crew and it has eight tentacles. Is that canon? Does the Kraken only have eight tentacles? Well, actually, I think if it is a squid, if we're to believe that it's just a colossal squid, it's actually probably only got six. Don't squids have six? Yeah, I think squids have six. Yeah. But if it's so an there octopus, you go. If it's each, octopus that has each eight. person has an axe, you slice it off, and then you have probably not delicious, but still edible squid meats <laughs> for the rest of your journey. It's not the Kraken. You don't know. I don't think Nobody those, knows. That's true. Nobody knows. But I'm pretty sure it's false to say that those portholes were broken. I'm pretty sure they were Yeah, weren't. no, that sounds like you're... There's no way to prove that. And no. this... Well, there's no way to prove any of this. Well, no. No, but there is documentation. Well, I so think... So you have to abide by the documentation. I, th- I think we've dragged this on longer than it should be. <laughs> tell us... But still, tell us what you think. What, what you think is most likely to have happened to the Mary Celeste, if you want to... Let us know. You can send us an email or uh, send us a message on any of our social medias or join our Discord and you can talk about it there too. Yeah. But I believe Colleen has a story for us today. I do. This is the second story sent to us by our Scottish friend, Johnny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Last week we talked about, um, because he was a police officer in Scotland, right? Mm -hmm. So is this another tale from his work? It is not. This one is not. As ghostly as the last one. Okay. But it's, it's interesting. In the summer of 2018, my wife and I moved to a larger house from our one-bedroom flat. We were excited, to say the least, and loved nothing more than shopping around for wee bits and bobs that would soon furnish our <laughs> new home. God, I love Scottish people. There's a large retail estate in the north of Scotland called House of Brewer, 
I hope I'm pronouncing that right, which is renowned for the more rare and sought-after items, which often come with a hefty price tag. We had gotten inspiration whilst there after seeing the works of a popular artist that had produced a range of coasters, kitchen towels, and other household items. We were super excited for our new limited edition coasters to arrive, and I had also ordered a teaspoon holder, which had another artist's rendition of Alice in Wonderland. The following week, while we were painting one of the rooms, our doorbell rang and it was a delivery guy. He handed me a package, which I eagerly ripped open as my wife looked on, and we were so chuffed at our cool new arty <laughs> coasters. However, I was perturbed because my teaspoon holder wasn't in the box, but before the disappointment took over completely, the delivery guy rang our doorbell again, and when I opened the door, he was out of breath and said, hey, I'm so sorry, but I left this one in the van. Except imagine that in a Scottish accent, probably. I wouldn't be able to understand it, most likely. No offense. <laughs> Just like very thick accents I've heard. And it was his teaspoon holder. Yay. My mother-in-law arrived a short time later to check on the progress of our painting and for a cup of tea. I showed off our cool new coasters and our teaspoon holder, to which she marveled at also. And then she left a short time later. We had kitchen fitters attending the next day to renovate the older kitchen and install our new kitchen. As such, my wife and I agreed to start moving a few things out of the way, so I put the coasters and teaspoon holder back in their delivery box and I took it upstairs to join the rest of the kitchenware while the renovation took place. Around one week later, after the new kitchen was finished and we were in the process of furnishing it with our nice new utensils, I was having trouble finding the coasters and the teaspoon holder. My wife and I searched for the remainder of the day and were dumbfounded as to where they could possibly have gone, but we decided to sleep on it. The whole of the next day, we couldn't locate the items. I thought for sure I was losing my mind, because no one had been in the house that week besides workmen, and they never went near the upstairs area. We were gutted as we knew how rare the items were and how much we loved them. I phoned my mother-in-law to relay the story, and she shared in my grief as she knew how much we loved them and gave useful advice that only mother-in-laws can give, like, check under the bed, or what about the cupboard? <laughs> so true. As I was on the phone with her, the doorbell rang, and I hung up the phone and answered the door. It was a delivery guy. In fact, it was the same delivery guy from the previous week. What are the chances we'd have the same delivery guy again? But fair enough, we were expecting stuff anyways. I opened the box he gave me and stood for a moment, staring into the box. I yelled for my wife, trying not to sound panicked, or as I truly felt, terrified. I was staring at our coasters, the coasters we had received the week previous. I couldn't believe it. We both tried to make sense of it, both confirming to one another that we did not imagine it. My wife had said even my mom was here and saw them. As we stood in our hallway in disbelief, the doorbell rang once more. I opened the door to the same delivery guy saying, hey, I'm so sorry I left this one in the van. And it was my teaspoon holder. Mm. What? That is very weird. I would like. How come all this cool shit happens to you? I, I wouldn't call this cool. I feel no, like if this happened to me, I'd, I'd be very like, I, I don't want to say freaked out. I'd just be like very off i would feel like i was going crazy yeah like clearly i'm having a mental break because the same thing just happened to us i mean deja vu is one thing but this is not that well and it's like a 
a group experience too. It's not just the this one listener. It was his spouse and also his uh, mother-in-law saw yeah. it too. So that is that's uh, weird. What if the ghost from the phone story last week was just fucking with you? I, I mean, you. did he pay off the delivery guy? <laughs> no, this is much more like uh, like a glitch in the matrix. Yeah, like the that this whole one's argument. I loved the the phantom telephone story, but this one is like more truly horrifying to me. Yeah, because I could not handle the thought of possibly possibly you know, losing going my mad. Mind. Yes. Yeah, I I don't know how to explain that other than you know the whole. You know, now it's kind of stereotypical glitch in the matrix. Like, yeah. It, uh, Unless like, you did truly lose the first coasters and the guy like had a mistakenly <laughs> brought you a second shipment. Uh, that's but also unlikely. also forgot the the teaspoons in the exact same manner. Yeah. Too. I mean, I don't think it's uncommon that you would have the same delivery person. This was a new house, though, wasn't it? It was delivered to the house, but they had put it away while the kitchen in that house was being renovated. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, it's, yeah. No, there's, I can't, there's no explanation for this. I can't even say aliens. Unless the delivery guy was an alien. And he beamed your coasters. Well, speaking of the Matrix, new movie coming out. Everyone go see that if they want. I don't care. <laughs> Is there really a new one yeah. coming out? Oh, like. 15 years later, another one's coming out. Yikes. Anyways, um, thank you, Johnny, for your amazing yeah. stories. And if anyone else is listening and would like to send us a story, or if you come across anything you would like us to read on the podcast, definitely send it our way. Yeah. Any topics? Yeah. If you have a request for a topic for an episode, definitely. You can send it to Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or at NerdslothHQ. You can also join our Discord and request anything or send us anything there, too. Links for our Discord server are in all of the social medias. It's definitely in our Twitter bio. Or you can email us at podcast at nerdsloth.com. Yeah. And I am very excited. I'm just going to, I think, say this at the end of every episode until it happens. Very, very close to releasing our new podcast. I think we're okay with announcing the name now. Go for it. It's going to be called Norsewoods Podcast. It's going to be a podcast entirely about Norse mythology and modern Norse paganism. So, but don't go anywhere because a little spooky is still here. Yeah, we'll, we'll still be here. But if that topic interests you, definitely, you know, keep an ear out. We're hoping at the beginning of 2022. Yes. So, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. All right, we love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Presented by Nerdsloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.